Hey, hey, my loves, welcome back to another episode of the Awakening Her podcast, your new favorite podcast. I am Talia. I am super excited that you're here. If this is the one of the first times you're tuning in, welcome, welcome. You have come to the right place. I am so grateful you've been led here. I know you're going to love today's episode and I know you're going to love all the other episodes that I'm sure you're going to go binge on. <laughs> and if you've been around for a while listening to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. You are my love. You are my homie. You are my community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know that you're going to love today's episode. Today I'm sitting down with Courtney Rivard and we're talking all about surrender and how it weaves into our life and the power of it and how to really lean into what life is calling us for. So Courtney has learned a lot about that and these days she's a coach and a mentor that helps women to get clear on what they want so that they can really step into the life that they're meant for. And she does this now because because at one, time, at one time, she was not living the life that she was meant for. She was an aerospace engineer. We're talking literally a rocket scientist. And so everything looked great on the outside. Super smart, great job, you know, relationship, had all the boxes being checked. But inside, she was very unhappy. She was not living in purpose. She was suffering from an eating disorder and other feelings of just not having a good time in life, feeling very lost. So you're going to love to hear her story, how she weaves in a constant realization to surrender and how she really did that and how it led to her healing and where she is now. And you're just going to love all the gold that she drops in this episode. So let's dig in. Without further ado, let's welcome Courtney onto the show. Hey, Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here, and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia, and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello, Courtney. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be so good. So Courtney is a beautiful soul. We've been connecting for a few minutes before we hit record, and she's going to talk to us a bit about surrender and letting go. So I'd love if you just start by telling the listeners a bit about yourself, your story, and how, how you got to this place of knowing surrender and knowing letting go is so important. Yeah, um, well, I'm Courtney Rivard. I'm a life coach and I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I have two kiddos, but um, I came to this place of really learning how to let go and surrender. Um, it's been a long journey. Um, I grew up being very driven, overachiever, a perfectionist. Everything had to be just right. I learned very quickly that um, doing things really well got me a lot of attention and therefore a lot of really great external validation. And it was kind of this vicious cycle of then eventually not really being able to do something for myself and um, um, to make my, myself feel good. Um, 
I went to school for engineering and aerospace engineering. And when, you know, once I got out of school, I kind of started checking all the boxes of getting the degree, getting the job, getting married, um, you know, buying a house, all of those things that you're supposed to do, um, having kids. And when my first child was born, I quit my career to be a mom. And I also started a part-time photography studio as well. Um, and, you know, things were fine and I was happy enough. My um, husband at the time and I kind of had started growing apart, but we were, you know, it was kind of like, I just assumed that's what happened as you um, go through life and marriage and stuff like that. And at a certain point though, as time kept going on, my son was probably six or so, I, I really started to feel this kind of niggling that was, things were just not something, I was not in the right place. And um I wasn't super happy. Life was kind of just fine. And then I had my daughter. Um, my son was seven at the time. She was kind of surprised. So I had a really, really hard time with that. Um, I also struggled with an eating disorder um, for a lot of my adult life. And so getting pregnant was something that totally freaked me out. Um, just dealing with weight gain and Having for somebody with an eating disorder, having your body like taken over is a really scary thing. Um, so when she was born, I, I had some pretty bad postpartum depression, and that kind of led me to relapse into my eating disorder. Um, and when she was 18 months, I went and I got help for it to really kind of like finish off with that treatment and um, get into um, recovery for like good. And that kind of started where I start. I started to see like that there was work to be done. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Um, six years ago, I found out my husband. Um, we had been married for seventeen years, and I found out he was having an affair with another man. And that affair had been going on for eight months. And um, long story short, we ended up splitting up. And that was kind of the kicker. I it was I was called a lane changer because I was kind of like in this place where life was just fine. Um, I kind of had accepted that this was how life was going to be. It wasn't bad. It wasn't amazing, but I just kind of figured, well, now you know we've been married for so long, we're just going to roll into old age and everything will be fine. <laughs> um, so when that happened, it was like this. My life had just the, my life as I knew it was just totally obliterated. And that was where I kind of had to rebuild and figure out, you know, among other things, like who I really was, what I really liked aside from external validation, you know, and um, I just, I've started this journey of figuring out how to be happy really. And in the end, I think I, you know, I learned so much about just how important it is to really surrender and um, let go of the expectations that you have for your life. It's, it'll be much happier. Yeah. Wow. That's such a such a roller coaster of a story. I couldn't imagine being married for seventeen years and having it end in that type of way, and what that must have been like with you know children. And wow, that's a lot. Thank you for sharing that. Um, when you mentioned that you had that niggling feeling that. It was almost like you were kind of saying like that there could be more that something, what was that niggling feeling like? Like, what did that feel like in your life? It was really uncomfortable because um, 
I think, well, first of all, having a degree in aerospace engineering and then having gone to being a a stay-at-home mom, and then I had this part-time photography business on the side, there was like a little bit of an identity crisis that happened in that um, time as well. Like, just like who, I felt like I wasn't impressive without my, my engineering career. So there was kind of this unworthiness, this sense of unworthiness in that respect. And then there, there was always this feeling of kind of, I feel like I was meant for more, but feeling guilty for wanting that because I had like a beautiful family. I had, um, you know, a beautiful home. I had everything, you know, I could really want. It's just, you know, I thought about, well, maybe could I go back to school? And it was always like, well, no, I can't do that because I have kids or I have a family. And so there was this sort of scary feeling of, what am I supposed to do? I don't feel like I'm in the right place, but I also don't feel like I can really do a lot to change that. Mm, yeah. It's interesting because it, that yearning for more, our brain kind of goes, well, you have all the things you want, like more. What do you want? Another laptop, another, and, but there's also this, no, that's not it. You know, this feeling of more, which we now know is you want more depth, more connection, more alignment. But of course, we don't know that at the time. We just think there's got to be more here for me. But someone might say, well, you have the career, you have the thing, you know. And for you, you had the achievements as well. And you had the um, job title and you had the career. So what more could you want? But I, I, I just can so relate to that. And I know that my listeners can too, where you can't really put your finger on it. You don't really know what it is that you want because it really is the call to go deeper within yourself as you, as you said. I can relate with the eating disorder and you know have been through my own journey with that. And I also found I was getting to a really bad place with it before I got pregnant. And then while I was pregnant, I tried to really clean up my act and, you know, eat what I should. And I, I did a good job, meaning, you know, I gained the appropriate amount of weight, even if it was slightly on the underside, it was like, I was doing my good job. But then after it was like, okay, now we got to get the body back. And that had its spiral. And I look back and actually think, it got much worse after I had my kids because there was like this need to now lose weight and whatever else, get back to what, it's like I had quit drinking and then I binged kind of thing, right? I quit sort of controlling my eating and then I had to like, it almost rebounded. But now I look at it almost like I'm grateful that I was so triggered because that was what pushed me into First, it was therapy, but it was deeper levels of myself. Do you find that? Do you find that like it triggered you so much that you finally decided to start on the path to healing? Yeah, yeah. And I do, when you, what you said about it was almost worse after you had your kids, that that resonates for me too, in some ways. Um, But yes, I do think that, um, I think that that, I, I do think about that a lot where if I hadn't been triggered like that, it could have been this thing that just kind of kept popping up, you know, I, I, before she was born, I wasn't in like active, you know, just really, I wasn't in a really bad place with the eating disorder. It was something that would pop up now and again, you know, if I was going through it, if I was having a hard time or, you know, um, it would pop up now and again, but after she was born and I started having some postpartum depression. And like you said, there was this pressure to get the body back and, um, that's when it really, it, it got to be not good. It got to be bad. And then I realized 
I realized that I didn't want my daughter to see that. I didn't want her to see a mom who beat her body up. I didn't want to see, I didn't want her to see a mom who was always saying I'm fat or I don't like my body. Um, And I also realized that I really wasn't able to fully participate in my life at that point either. And it became really important to me to be a mom who was fully there for her kids. So that was the big motivation behind those two things are really the big motivation behind taking like quote unquote care of it for, you know, once and for all really, really being, being in a strong recovery place. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can definitely relate to that. For me, it was that I was so neurotic with like healthy food. And that was always the thing is I, I didn't want my kid to feel that weird pressure of you can't eat this, you can't eat. And I found I couldn't fake it. Like I didn't even know how to act normal around food that I knew I just would pass that on because I just didn't even know how to like have a little bit of something and enjoy it. And so how could I even teach her that, right? Is like be healthy, but also enjoy life was what I wanted to teach her. But I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't be that example. And that was a huge motivator for me as well. So in this time, so your marriage dissolves, we'll call it, gracefully dissolves. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was not that graceful. And that oh, no. was probably very messy. <laughs> yeah. So after that all happened, what was that like for you? What happened after that? Like life on your own? Did you have your kids with you full time or what happened there? Yeah, we we split um, almost, it's not quite 50-50, but at the time it was um, maybe, we had them almost 50-50, um, each of us. And um, I, yeah, it was not graceful. <laughs> it was not a graceful at all. Um, I was a hot mess. I was um, looking back at that time. Um, it's sometimes hard for me to think about it because um, I had to forgive myself for a lot because I was very... I was in some of the deepest depression um, I had ever experienced. And um, I wasn't really, you know, to be completely honest, I wasn't a great mom sometimes. You know, my son, he was seven at that, or no, no, he was 12 at the time. And, you know, there were days that I I just, I couldn't get out of bed. And I would say, oh, I'm not feeling good today. Well, he knew, you know, he knew what was going on. He's, kids are so smart. But, um, so, you know, I was actually hospitalized a couple of times um, during that time. I got into, a, I started dating way too soon. I was just, I was trying to fill this hole that was so big and I couldn't fill it myself. So I was looking for other things to fill it. So I fell into a relationship that was really not good for me. The guy I was dating was also having some pretty hard mental health issues and the two of us were just not good for each other. And um, you know, like I said, I was trying to fill this hole. And so I, I would do anything I could to feel like he wanted me or needed me. And it just ended up for my own um, self-esteem and my own worthiness. It was so terrible because I just, um, I, w- I was basically existing to need to feel loved or wanted. Um, so those early months were extremely messy and actually things probably didn't really start turning around until I just finally stood up for myself and was like, I am done. Don't ever talk to me again. And then just walked away. Um, that was when things really started to turn around. And that was like a year, year and a half later. <laughs> it was a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So in this time then, how did you discover, like how did the spirituality piece or even the self-discovery piece on a deeper level, how did that come into your world? Did you start, did you get a mentor? Or did you start reading different books or podcasts? Like how did it kind of come into your life? Um, it was, it's actually, I was grasping for anything, anything that would help me feel better. So it was books. It was, you know, online um, seminars or workbooks or, you know, anything and everything. I, um, but I think the book that actually really resonated so well with me was um, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Just that I had never really thought about the fact that my, I am not my thoughts and that I could actually separate my thoughts from me and that I, I didn't have to like be attached to them. <laughs> it was like a, an eye opener. That was huge. And then the other um, author that helped me so much was Pema Chodron and just her writing on, you know, non-attachment, impermanence and how being attached to the way we want things to be in life really is a setup for suffering. Um, and, and that, I guess, kind of that and also learning how to really manage my emotions was part of it. I went through dialectical behavior therapy, which was, if, if, you're, if people listening are familiar with it, um, it's, it's just really a way to tolerate distress and regulate your emotions and be mindful and, you know, to be able to kind of walk that middle wise mind path. Um, and that was also something that was really helpful for me to learn that my emotions didn't have to spiral and derail me. Mm, yeah, those, that's so that's so powerful and very similar to me. The untethered soul was like the crack door just flew open when I discovered that book. I listened to it on audiobook first. So hearing the, the, it just felt like it got right into my mind. He didn't actually read that one. It was someone else, but then, um, found after that, I mean, after a while, but Michael Singer's next one, the surrender experiment, which I don't know if you've read that. Have you I read that? I haven't read it. No, oh my goodness. And we're talking about, okay. I gotta do it. I know. <laughs> when it, when it feels right, it's going to come into your experience on repeat and you're going to take that opportunity to do it because it changed my life again. I had already known about surrender and all this stuff, but he did a 30 year experiment of surrendering to life, saying yes to everything, absolutely surrendering to everything that came his way, unless it was against his morals, or I think it was his safety or something, but just saying yes, yes, yeah. And where it led him is just insane. But anyways, um, yeah, realizing that we're not our thoughts and especially with the eating disorder and everything I can imagine after a relationship ending of that long and thinking was something I did, or why didn't I see that earlier or what, like all the things in our head that could go on, you know, in, in that, in that time in your life, realizing that you can actually pivot those thoughts and have sort of control over your thoughts and, and create new ones must have been so empowering. So how did you end up wanting to help others, like to go from a career that's very different um, mm -hmm. into, you know, like, and, and I could imagine it was so in your head and very practical and very um, meticulous and specific. And I just, you know, it's, it's like all brain. How did you go into something more from your heart and wanting to serve other people on a higher level? 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, so I mentioned I was a photographer um, for a lot of years and I photographed families, um, kids. Um, and my style was, I started off only doing black and white photography and my style was very um, kind of candid, but it captured a lot of emotion and a lot of connection. And I found myself just, you know, I, I always loved that you know, meeting the families and working with them and giving them a great experience and and just connecting with them and their kids. And I still have clients from 12 years ago, 14 years ago, that still, I still take their, their portraits. I don't really do it full time, you know, anymore, but so it's, I have built these connections, which I love. And when I, you know, after my ex and I split up and I was realizing that I had to figure out how to make my own how to, you know, what career was I going to have to make, to support myself? Um, I started getting really freaked out because I knew, I knew I did not want to go back to that brain, even though I love a challenge and I love using that part. I love using my brain in that way. It's not like, I'm definitely like split. I need that creative side. I need that, you know, connection with people. Um, sitting in a cubicle for me was just like a death sentence. So I just knew that that's not what I wanted. And everybody thought I was crazy because everyone just assumed that would be the natural thing. Well, why don't you go back to engineering? You should be able to do that. It's safe. You'd make good money. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that. So I actually hired a coach to help me figure it out. And that's kind of a long story in of itself. But my initial thought was to figure out how to take my photography business and pivot it a little bit so that I was really serving women who like maybe, um, well, really serving women to, you know, do portrait sessions to really, to bring out their, to kind of show who they really are, to show that connection and that um, with themselves and that emotion. And, um, the goal being, I want to show you what you really, what other people see you like, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier with like an eating disorder, you can't see that, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's, it's this effort to really connect with somebody and make them feel good about this portrait session and then see these images and be like, that's me. And so my kind of thought was I would, I would turn my business into that. And along the way, as she was coaching me, I was like, you know, this life coaching thing looks pretty fun. I like, I, it seems like a really enjoyable like, career. And she's like, well, yeah, you should look into it. <laughs> and I said, she, she said some things to me that some words that changed my life. She, I said, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't really know like how to do it. Like, what if I can't make it work? And she stopped me and she said, what if you can? And those words change, like they literally changed my life. I had never actually surprisingly looked at things from that perspective before. Like it was always all the reasons why this won't work or that won't work. Mm -hmm. You know, the engineer in me had to have a solution for everything before taking a step, you know, Mm. when she said that I was like, yeah, what if I, you know, what if I can, I mean, that's like, so here I am. (laughs) That's amazing. Cause that's, we just go from being ego driven, which isn't, you know, we say ego, like it's some bad thing. That's actually just the way our brains work. It's, you know, built into us. It is the way we work. And it is about separation, about, you know, anticipating failure to protect yourself, to stay safe and all that good stuff into a mindset of possibility. It's like, but what if you can? And that I, I feel like almost all of us at some point, or maybe people listening, maybe you just created that for them where it's, just like that mind blown moment of what if I can? So how do you feel like the surrender and the letting go and all of that 
was like, how did that come into your journey? And even more so, like looking back, why was surrendering important as you were going through such a life transition? And did you realize anything about surrendering at that point? But like, why was that so important? And why did that help you become where you are today? I think the first thing that comes up for me is when my ex and I first split up, it was around this time of the year. So it was Christmas, right? And that was a, I mean, that was a really hard time to be doing that because of, you know, just obviously it's a tough time of the year to split up with someone. And my, the first thing I think that really hit me was I had this very um, rigid definition of a family and, you know, all of a sudden the family that I had was no more. And um, in my head, it was this non-normal thing because I had, you know, I, I was the only one in my family who had ever gotten divorced. You know, I was, it was something that wasn't done a lot in my family. So all of a sudden this family was gone and I was abnormal. And so it was like, it was definitely like a, a long process. And it, I learned that it's really hard <laughs> to surrender and let go, but it's sort of, I think somebody said to me early on when I would, you know, my brain wanted to stay stuck in this. Yeah, but I want that. Like, I want it to be that way. I want it to be that way. Um, Cause that's what a normal family is. And I don't want to be abnormal. And it would make, I mean, it would make me sob because I had lost this normal. And she said to me, she's like, well, you know, there really is no normal. You've just defined it for yourself. What normal is, but there's all kinds of different families and to them it's, that's normal. And so that was kind of the first step of knowing that I had to, I had to accept a new definition of normal. And that kind of meant letting go of a lot of beliefs that I had, I had about families. Um, and, and that, you know, acceptance and that surrender, it, it was a long process, I will say, but I think, in the end, I couldn't, I couldn't be happy today. Like if I hadn't surrendered to a lot of those things along the way, if I still had that definition of normal as being two married people with their, you know, um, children of their own blood two people who have never split up. And you know, that definition in my head, I would not, I would not be able to be happy today because I would have these other expectations for my life that I could never meet. So I think you know, that was one thing, but then there were other things that just kind of kept happening. Um, I think another example was just, um, when I had that relationship I talked to, about, talked about earlier when that was over, I think that was kind of a realization that I really am on my own. Like I have to learn how to be okay alone, like with myself. And then there was this kind of letting go of, wanting it to be a different way. I think that's really what it comes back to is always wanting it to be a different way. Mm -hmm. And you can want something to be different all you want. I mean, you know, you can all day, but it, you, you don't really have control over it. I think that's one thing I realized is that I don't really have control over this. And that mm -hmm. was really hard as a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> that was a very difficult lesson, but eventually I learned Oh, even though I really want to control this, I really, at the end of the day, cannot. So it's easier to just not resist it and just sort of melt into it. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's funny. It takes a while to realize that you're trying to control something you can't control. Because at first we see something, we go, well, no, no, no. Like, let's try to just get it back to normal. Try to get it back or exactly like you said, what you think is normal, what you think is okay in your life, no matter what it is. But realizing like, okay, this is now out of my control. But it's also freeing though, right? In the same sense, once you sink into it, there's a little bit, because I do think that deep down when we're grasping to control, there's a part of us that gets very drained and very tired, even if it's, it's not like in our soul, our actual soul, but it just feels like this deep, deep like exhaustion because you're literally fighting life, right? So when you do surrender, it's hard on the ego and it's hard on the mind because of all the what ifs and all the hows and all the yeah buts. But w- deeper than that, there is this sense that kind of goes like, ah, right? Did you did you feel that in some level? Yeah, absolutely. I think like I I know if I if I could compare if I could you know go back and forth like right now between the the way the old way felt and the way the new way felt, it would be like a, a completely you know one eighty. Um, but like, as I think about the feeling, what, when I was in it, I always would say, I feel like I'm in a rushing river and I'm trying so hard, you know, and they say when you're like drowning, like the worst thing you can do is fight that, you know, mm-hmm. the water is just sort, sort of go with the current. And I always felt like I was just fighting to hang on to something and there was never anything to hang on to. And when I learned how to just kind of let go and go with that current that that feeling like you said it's very freeing it's um it's so exhausting to have to think about how to control something all the time mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's much less draining uh, it's so freeing and i think that you're able to be present more and just like enjoy your life more mm, i love that it just i feel like there's a lot of people listening that it's kind of like there's an opportunity right now for you to reflect on how you think life should be different and how much energy you are putting toward that, thinking it should be different, whether it's in your thoughts, your actions, all of it. We do, and we all do this in some ways. I find that all the time. Like there's little things that, you know, we deal with in this real life. And sometimes it feels like things should not be this way. How can I control it? So what do you think the steps would be if someone's hearing this right now and thinking like, yeah, I do spend a lot of energy thinking my body should be different, my bank account. I should have a marriage by now. I should have a business by now. What do you think that first step is if right now they're going like, holy man, I really do think it should be different. I'm spending a lot of energy. Now what? Um, I think, well, the first step, I always I always tell people that I work with, especially that like just having that awareness is half the battle. Like to just really start noticing when that shows up for you is so huge. Um, because until you really start to notice it, you can't really change it like in the moment. And when you, when you start to be able to change it in the moment, that's where like the real, like that's, that's where crazy change happens. But, um, so I would say the first step is just to spend some time, you know, being conscious of like today, I'm going to notice when the stuff comes up to me, up for me. Um, and the other thing too, is I always tell people journaling about those things too, or at least writing them down, like writing those thoughts down. 
Um, if you have a thought that, you know, says I hate my body or something like that, like write it down and then get curious about it. Like, I think that's the first step is just to get curious about it. What is it? What do you feel when you think that, um, you know, and then the next step is to think about, um, you know, what's a thought that you can think instead. And it's not necessarily going to be a thought that goes like, I always think of it like a ladder. You have these thoughts that you don't want to have that aren't helpful at the bottom. And then this like ideal thought at the top. And you're not going to get to the top right away. So, you know, if you can make a little shift that is just, you know, spinning things, reframing them a little bit so that it it doesn't cause you to have these negative feelings and then thus create like, you know, terrible results or you know, actions or inaction. Um, so that's what I would say. Yeah. Have you heard of the emotional scale? You probably have. It sounds like that's what you're talking about. Um, I think so, but I'm not sure okay, exactly that's what awesome. you're referring to. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of these things that are the same. It just depends, right? It's like everything. It's like, what God do you praise to? Or, you know, what God do you speak to? Um, but it's the yeah. emotional scale. And Abraham talks a lot about it. Esther Hicks talks a lot about it. But it's also a thing. I believe it's in psychology. But anyways, it's just exactly that. Like guilt and shame are at the bottom. Oh, and yeah. joy and excitement's at the top. And it's like, how can we yeah. work our way up? Exactly like you said. Um, yeah, it's so true that awareness is a big is such a big part because before you're aware, you just are in the rapids and you're just in it flailing moment to moment reacting to the rapids. But when you become aware and you go, what was that thing? Oh yeah, don't <laughs> don't fight the current. That's when if you actually were in a river, you would go, "Oh yeah," and then oh, I'm just going to allow it to take me to shore or whatever, right? So if someone is having this right now and they want to start going more with it and you're saying to write down, you know, what you're feeling, would you say writing down, you know, I'm spending a lot of energy thinking that my love life should be different. I should have met my soulmate by now. And so what could be an example of a better feeling thought? Like what could be an example of something that's just slightly better than that? So using the example, like um, I should be... I, a lot of my clients, they come to me and they're like, I should be farther ahead in my life by now. Like I haven't accomplished anything or something like that. Um, so an example of like too big of a thought might be, um, I fully accept where I am at, in life and I'm totally happy. Okay. So that might be too big of a jump, right? So <laughs> we might need to back it off and say, I'm not where I thought I would be in life right now, but this might be bringing me to something better. Or, you know, this might be bringing me some, this, this may be bringing me somewhere that I'm, I'm not aware of, or, you know, even just like that, cause that kind of brings it back to the present moment of like, you know, you're not where you thought you would be, but do you really want to spend the energy thinking about what could have been? Why don't we bring you to back to the present moment and say, well, I'm not where I thought I would be, but you know, in, in five years, a year, two weeks, a month, I'm, I might not be where I thought I would be either. And it might be in a direction that's better than I think. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what I would, that's an example of just a shift. Mm-hmm. When I catch myself in the, I'm not where I thought I would be now, and this may resonate with some of you too, but now I always think, well, I'm the one that made that up <laughs> and I'll kind of laugh at myself. Like I'm not where I thought I should be. And I'll be like, well, I'm the one that thought the thought and thought that, this, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. thought that at 35, I should be this, or by 2020, I should be this. And it's like, well, I'm the one that created that. So how could I accurately predict 
the universe. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, well, that's not where I thought Saturn would be tonight in the sky. It's like, well, you're not the one in charge. And there's a process unfolding and, you know, you're the one that kind of put yourself in that box. I know it kind of sounds harsh, but it works for me. And I kind of chuckle. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm the one that made that up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think also like in addition to that, you, we, we make that stuff up and we also make up measuring sticks too. Like, um, you know, like we, we make up this arbitrary, like, oh, we're not there, but like, you get to decide where, you know, you get to decide. That's the thing that I think is so amazing when people start to realize that you actually, if, when you start to learn how to think in terms of possibilities, like you do get to decide what you want your life to look like. And, um, yeah, I mean, so you can make up something that's positive and helpful, or you can make up something that's totally not helpful. It's it's up to you, but which would you rather have? Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. So what do you primarily work with? Like, who do you work with and what, what do you do with your clients now? Yeah, my, um, the, the majority of my clients are women. Um, they're late 30s to late 40s or early 50s. And basically, these women are in a place where they feel kind of stuck in life. And it's, it's that whole, I thought I'd be further ahead. I feel like I was meant for more. But there's this, we talked about earlier, there's sort of this guilt with, well, shouldn't I just be happy with what I have? I think as women, we're kind of conditioned to just take what's in front of us and just be happy with it. Cause you know, our job is to nurture everyone else and, um, just sort of the way we've been, um, raised generally, but, um, so I help these women just kind of get through that and learn to create a vision for their lives. And it's amazing how many people have kind of forgotten how to dream. And and your dreams don't have to be, and when I say dream, I always want to be very clear that I don't mean necessarily like humongous dreams. Like I want to climb Mount Everest or have a $10 million mansion. Like if that's your dream, that's great. But your dream might be I really want to be able to have more rest and time with my family in my life, or I want a career where I can um, not be working 80 hours a week, you know, so it varies for everyone. So it's being able to define that, um, helping my clients create that, or define that for themselves, create that vision and learn to get over all of the limiting beliefs and thought patterns and stories that hold them back. Um, And it's, it's amazing work. And I have, it's, it's just, it's fun to see people make progress in that way and get, get out of that. I can't mentality and get mm-hmm. into the, Oh my gosh, look at all the stuff that could be possible for me mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And so working with these women who a lot of my audience are these people. So with these women that you work with, what are the most common ways that we are resisting the flow? Like what are the biggest things you see that are the ways that we're resisting, that we're not surrendering, that we're kind of trying to control? Well, I would say one of the biggest ones is just um, self-care or taking time to be yourself. I think one of the things that comes up so much with clients of mine is that they feel guilty for wanting to have something that is like their own passion project. You know, like um, I have a client now who... Um, she's starting a, or she's had a business, but it's been kind of a hobby and she really wants to take it to be not a hobby anymore. She really wants to take it, to, you know, bigger. And she has been kind of stuck in this place of feeling like 
really guilty about it because she feels like it's just for her. And it's funny because you can hear as people explain things, you can hear them justify. Well, if I think about it this way, it's not really just for me. I'm like, well, what if it was just for you? Like, that's okay. It's okay to have something just for you. You can still show up for the people in your life that need you um, and do a great job at both. So that's the, that's probably the biggest thing. It's Um, almost like, sorry, it's almost like she is called to do this. The universe is bringing her the desire to do this. She's being called to do it, but she's kind of, or we are, you know, the the people that this happens to, you kind of talk yourself out of it. So you're resisting the flow because you talk yourself out of it because it's selfish or because you can't justify doing that for yourself. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And she, like, when she talked about it, it was, um, like, she used, she she was like, I know I'm meant for more. And we kind of dug into what her more is. And for her, it was being able to have some boundaries between her business and her family so that she was able to be present all the time, you know, present with her family or present with her business. So that's what led her to say, well, it's not just for me. It's for, Mm -hmm. like, if this work is not just for me. But then, you know, we talked about it some more and we came to this that, okay, your more is having freedom and having presence and peace. And so, but the thing that gives you more is being able to have this passion project of yours that you love and you can set it over here and have some boundaries with it. And then when you're done filling your cup up, you're full for the people you want to be present for. Mm. So, you know, that's an example of how that all kind of comes down with. Yeah. That's very, that's really cool because I think we, a lot of us do that in some way or another. We are nudged by the universe, even if it's just to take better care of ourselves, to eat better, to go on a retreat, to hire a mentor, and we talk ourselves out of it. And we say, I can't do this for me. It's selfish. And then we use all the reasons, right? I have kids. I'm a wife. I Even if you are you don't have kids and you're not a wife, it'll be, I should be working. I shouldn't take time. I shouldn't spend the money on this. I shouldn't, you know, there's so many reasons that we choose to ignore those nudges. I work with people and often I'll be talking to them about soul desires and how I look at it is what are those things that you've that you've been craving in your soul and you've had a nudge for a long time usually to do or maybe it's new it's really exciting but it's those like I want to take yoga teacher training or I know I need to go to Bali or there's a book in me. There's these things that were being called to do, which is like the universe is asking us, like surrender to this desire, this calling, um, whether it is hiring someone or, um, or taking a trip or writing a book or whatever, right? Yeah, I think in in those cases, I, I didn't really think about this before when I told the story about um, my coach asking me, well, what if you can? I think in those cases, you know, just asking yourself, well, what if there was a way I could do this? Like, and, like just, you know, and it's, it's a weird thing because sometimes there's a balance because there are also other people in your life. But um, I think that too many of us tend to have this with everything. Like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. But you can do some of that. You might not be able to do all of it, but, you know, you do need, everybody needs their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their thing that they love to do that, like you say, their passion project, their creativity. Also, everyone spends money on something. So you're allowed to buy yourself a new 
necklace even if you don't need it or you're allowed to buy yourself a massage even if you're not in so much pain you can't walk or you know buy yourself a meal out that was something especially before the pandemic I was starting to do where I would take myself out for lunch like almost once a week and it was so foreign to me I'm like I shouldn't be spending money on this but I'm like you know what you deserve it and how does it feel to be in that you know so to kind of come back to the surrender, like we have these nudges and these ideas and this like, oh, that would feel so good or that would make me feel so supported or I just know deep down that would help me up level, help me step into that version of myself. But the money, the time, the this, the that, right? And so we have to learn to just go with it. That's another part of surrender. It's not just surrendering when life throws you crazy curveballs. It's also surrendering to your own desires, so you see that with people, that they're not surrendering to what they are being called to do. Yeah. I think also, like you said, our head gets in the way. So I think a lot of people have just really, I think a lot of people have a hard time listening to that, um, that intuition or that call. Um, I think a lot of people, um, I, I know speaking for myself, when I started to really try to tap into intuition, I had a really hard time at first. Um, I didn't, I didn't trust it, first of all. And it took a lot of work and I'm still working on it, but to really be able to dig in there and and let let go of the brain stuff and just sort of feel like let it feel it feel it. Um, and I think a lot, I think a lot of people have that where they've just kind of forgotten how to trust their intuition or that call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would you say then is your top tip for surrendering or the most important thing for allowing things to unfold instead of controlling? Because there are a lot of recovering perfectionists that listen and clients I've had for sure. So what's the most important thing, do you think, to get out of that control and into flow? I think that... um, so I'm going to, I'm going to combine two things into one Yeah, because <laughs> I can never just say one, but um, <laughs> no, I think the first thing is to really um, think about the idea that you really can't control much. You can control yourself um, to really marinate on that and to really like try to embody that concept because that that's, I think the first step of it, but, but also I feel like just mindfulness and, and learning how to be present is also that is super important, um, you know, to not, it, when you're, when you're not letting go, when you're trying to hang on to everything, you're, you're always in the, the future, or you're hanging on to the past, you know, you're worrying about the future, or you're trying to hang on to stuff that may or may not be there, you know, so it, it's, if you can learn how to bring yourself to this moment, and, and really, really embody that, this is all I know that I have for sure. So what am I going to do in this moment? Um, you know, and that's, that feels very, I mean, that's sort of letting go anyway, is that you're just, you're bringing yourself back to like home base. Here we are. It's this moment. So I think it's just so much freer way to live. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you think surrendering from your perspective impacts manifestation? A couple of things with that. I think people tend to get really confused about what manifestation really is. I think that it's not that you just put a wish out there into the world and it's just going to come true because you want it to. It's, it's like the universe has its way of things unfolding. So you have to really be open to 
you have to be really open to that. It, again, it comes back to that control piece of mm-hmm. things. So it is letting go of your plan, your timeline. Like you can, you can have a timeline that you work towards to achieve a goal or, you know, bring something into your life. But I think you have to let go of that as a concrete measuring stick. Like you have to know that you have to be open, open that things, other things might come along. No progress is linear. You don't go from point A to point B. It's on spirals. And, you know, as soon as you think you might be getting really far away from your goal, you might just be coming around a spiral and it might be right around the corner, but you just never know. So I think just letting go of having to know or having to have an idea of when something's going to happen and just let things unfold in their own time. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so perfect. So if someone wanted to find more about you or work with you, what do you have going on? What do you offer and where can we find you? Yeah, I've got some cool stuff going right now. I have an intro program for new clients, which when I talked earlier about creating this vision and, um, and basically this program I have, it's called, it's called N- it's called unf your stuck. I won't say the the actual word, but it's 21 days to turn your I can'ts into I cans. Mm. And um, it's a great program to like get some quick wins and start taking action. Cause a lot of people, like I mentioned, um, the people that I tend to work with are, you know, feel stuck, um, want more from their lives, but they don't really know how to take that first step. So that's a great way to just sort of, um, we create a plan to take some steps to make you, to help you feel like you're starting to move in the right direction. Um, and that, um, can are you going to put these in the show notes? Yes. um, Okay. So that'll be in the show notes, but you can go find out more information on my website, which is CourtneyRivard.com. Great. Those sound so fun. So the sessions when you are kind of like you're saying the quick wins, the sort of making progress, really launching your desires and sort of launching the progress. Is that like a one-on-one thing where you have a couple sessions with you or is it just one session or what is it? It's a one-on-one. And so the first set, there are two sessions. The first one is a 90 minute session where we just really dig into what areas of your life are you're kind of stuck in right now. And then um, I also have people do this um, like ideal day exercise where it's that dreaming piece of things. And um, it's crazy how many people have a hard time with that. And and that's what I love that because it's sort of like this nudge to people. No, like picture your ideal life. Like if your life was amazing, what would that look like to you? And write it like, so you can picture it and feel it. Um, and then once, once we talk through some of those things and um, we, we kind of both get a feel, it's very co-created. We get a feel for where they want to go in their life and just kind of pick one area to take some steps towards. Um, everyone's different. I have one client who she wanted to um, incorporate, she wanted to start like an exercise program, but to her, an exercise program was she really wanted to get two days a week of walking in, you know, she wanted to be able to work towards her health. So that was her step. That was her goal, her action steps. And, you know, and continued, then you can continue working with me after that intro program, but and continued work, then we dig into kind of the whys of why it's hard or, you know, why, what trips you up and, um, other areas of your life to, you know, so it's, it's definitely just a great way to start digging in. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful too. Cause I'm, I'm noticing in the coaching space that coaching's come a long way in a few years because there are so many 
coaches and mentors of all different kinds with different specialties. But I'm noticing that, especially people that haven't worked with coaches before or are looking to hire someone new, a lot of people these days are like, you have to jump in for six months and it's like $10,000 and that's your option. And I'm noticing that that's not comfortable for everyone, not just financially, but also how can I commit when I don't even know you? So it's beautiful to have something that is just a couple sessions, they can start experiencing results, have that connection with you, and then decide if that, you know, is right for them to move forward because it is ultimately about the client. And that's what I notice yeah. is a lot of people are like, well, just jump in, right? Why are you fearful? Why are you hesitant? You got to get over that. That's blocks. Jump in. It's like, well, what if you're not the right mix or what if they're not ready or what if they need something slightly different? That's okay too. So that's a beautiful way to allow people to get to know you, but also just have them move the needle in their life with a couple sessions and then decide after that what they want to do. Yeah, I think it's really important for it to be the client's idea. Like, I don't believe in pushing people towards coaching at all, because like you said, some people aren't really ready to do the work. And if you start the work and you're not ready for it, you're not going to get anything out of it. So you Mm -hmm. have to, you know, you have to be ready to do the work. You can't just show up to your session every week and expect, you know, to make changes. You have to actually get in there and do the hard stuff and, um, you know, be open to what you might uncover. Um, and yeah, it's really important for both sides too, to have to, for it to be a good fit. Like, you know, there are clients or people that I've done consults with before where like, you know, I don't know that I'm the right coach for you. Like, I think that, you know, you might be, but you might be better served with somebody who does a little bit more of this or so, you know, it's really important to have that good fit because otherwise it's, it's really important for me that my clients are going to get results and I don't want to tell somebody I'm going to get them results if I'm not sure I can. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I do think that's come a long way too, because a few years ago, in the coaching space. So this is just for like fellow coaches um, and business owners. It was like, when people come to you, you have to overcome their objections. Remember that? Like how many overcome their objections? So the idea is the person comes they're like, well, I don't know if I'm ready. Okay. I got to overcome that. You are ready. You, you know, well, why would you think you're not? Well, I don't know if I have the money. Well, and there is something for, of course, working through something with someone, getting them to an empowered place. Yes. But not convincing them, not almost making their issues just be something I have to over, you know, object, like overcome. And then if you sign with me, I win. I did a good job. It's like, what about if you're not a good match? Because as you said, they're not going to get the results with you anyway, if they're not ready, or maybe you're not the person for them. And that's totally okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think really like what it's, what is important in that situation, when you're talking to a potential client, it's um, almost like coaching them through it. Um, because there are certain objections that are valid and I'm not going to push them through those things. Mm-hmm. If, if it's like the money aspect of things, um, I, a lot of times, and you've probably seen this too, a lot of times the money objection is not really a money objection. Mm-hmm. It's oh, like, yeah. we all have such loaded stuff around money. So it's almost like just digging in and saying, cause if there's a client who really potential client who really, really wants to make some changes and that's where they're stuck, it might be about something totally different, you know? And I've always found for myself making investments like that too is if it's something that I'm really ready for and somebody helps me get over those blocks, mm-hmm. I will find a way to do it. I've always been able to do that, but I have to be able to get through those blocks before I can do that. So it's, 
But I definitely do not believe in like pushing people out of their comfort zone. I mean, sometimes you have to a little bit because we all want to stay in our comfort zone. But, you know, I don't, if somebody's not ready, I don't, it's not going to benefit them. Yeah. I think it comes down to, are they a match for you? And Mm -hmm. as a person, they could even be a match, but in a month, they're going to be actually ready. And that's the actual match. You know what I mean? So, and I've had people with that too, where mentors, where it's like, I, I know I want to work with you. I know you're my person, but I have to spend a month saving or, you know, finishing up my own launching because I couldn't focus right now. And like, instead of you trying to just convince me, I'd rather you honor what I know. And then I'm going to come back in a month Absolutely. and be like, okay, where can I pay? You know, I'm excited. I'm uh, ready now. And that's a much, a much better feeling place to be. It's yeah. I think it's just a different energy. I think it yeah. feels better all around for people. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. Is there any last thing you want to share before you go about surrender, letting go, manifesting, anything? <laughs> I I just, you know, just reiterate what I said before, but just, um, you know, just stay open to things. I think that's the, the biggest thing is try to figure out or, or try to really embody the concept of you don't really have control of ever, over everything. So think about what you, where you want to spend your energy. If you want to spend it trying to control something you can't, or if you'd like to use that energy to be present in this moment. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an amazing conversation and really enjoyed it. So thank you. Hey love, thank you for listening to today's episode. I really hope you got some incredible value from it. And if you did, pretty please head over to iTunes and leave me a review and hit the subscribe button. This really does make a huge difference in the success of the show. And it really shows me that you want this type of training, tools, techniques to hack law of attraction and have you manifest fast. Thank you in advance for that. And before I go, I want to remind you that there is a version of yourself that already has what it is that you want, already has the manifestations, already has the love, the abundance, the success, the freedom, the self-confidence, and everything else that you could want. So what I'm going to encourage you to do today is to envision her, embody her, ask what's her energy about, what's her mindset, like and what advice does she have for me today as you do this my love you awaken her you quantum align you collapse time and you make yourself able to manifest the life you want so much quicker have a fantastic day and i will see you in the next episode